Good evening, Glenn. It's episode six. We're back again. Um, another Shrewsbury Town week. Two games, no goals, but plenty to talk about. Yeah, plenty to talk about. Sorry, you threw me that, Ollie, because normally we say hello and welcome at the start of every podcast, not for any I agreeable know, I reason. I did it differently but... on purpose. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> we change things up. What a, what a massive change to this outcast. Um, good evening, Ollie. Yeah, it is evening for us. We always record on Sunday nights, as regular listeners will know. And yeah, um, no goal scored this week, um, and two approaches to a game that were pretty much identical, Ollie, but two very different results, I suppose, this week against, um, let's be honest, two yeah. of the better teams in the division. So, yeah, a little bit of a of a, of a kind of up and down week. Um, I guess we can talk about you know where we're at at the end of this week and what we think about things, um, continuing patterns and all sorts of things that we could kind of lay our hands on. But uh, depends whether your cup's half full or half empty, I suppose, at the moment, Ollie, with five games into the league season. Yeah, I think it's fair to say the Shrewsbury fans are on a, a huge. It's kind of spectrum at the moment, aren't they? There's those fans uh, yeah. who are booing booing the players, <laughs> and and I've still had some messages saying that it's time for Cottrell to go. Yeah. Two fans going, you know, pretty happy where we are. So I think that's fair. Everyone's entitled to opinion. It's it's the it's the joy of football. It's one of the funs of football. Everyone has an opinion. Um, but yeah, plenty of us to get through this week. A um, couple of two interesting games for different reasons. Um, but yeah, let's jump into it. Jamie Tolly then scored from the spot. Against Barnett a couple of weeks ago, and he does it again! Jimmy Tolley! First blood to the town, they lead 1-0. Local lad, under-21 international, great midfielder, probably the best in the conference. Tuesday night, 16th of August, still in August, early doors in the season, Derby County came to visit Ollie. Um, 36 years since Derby County were in League One, and it was a... Nil-nil draw, a classic Shrewsbury Town scoreline um, under Steve Cottrell. But a gritty, hard-fought draw and something we could take a lot of pride from, obviously. So, yeah, nil-nil, no goals. Um, 7,867 was the attendance, a good attendance for a Tuesday night. Um, however, <laughs> we'll get to what that attendance caused in a minute, Ollie, um, because there was some chaos getting in, wasn't there? But uh, And Derby came into this game with a good uh, 2-1 win over Barnsley previous week. Obviously, Barnsley a team that have been sort of up and down, so good win for Derby to get their season up and, and going, I think, a bit better, wasn't it? And, um, yeah, not too many stats from this game. We've got a few to cover at the, the end of the, at the start of the next game, really. But just a note, Morose um, kept a clean sheet in this game again, takes him up to 17 now, Ollie, for the club, um, and takes him into the top five in, in terms of goalkeepers and clean sheets. Um, since we came back to um, the Football League after our sojourn in the conference, which is quite a while ago now, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, just to just to run through it, look, Wyler's um, top of that list. He's got 50 clean sheets. Chris Neal got 22. Henderson, 19 in that one season. Chris Wheel got 18 across his couple of seasons. And Marco Morosi is now on 17. So it's a bit funny, isn't it? You know, he's, he's definitely going to be, you know, above Chris Neal on 22 probably by the end of the season. And after two seasons with the club, to be sort of second on the list of, of kind of clean sheets in that era... That'd be some pretty good going, actually, to be honest with you. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll track that as the season goes on. But, yeah, it just shows that he's starting to rack them up a lot quicker now. Yeah, you should Yeah, you should put a number of um, games in there to see the ratio. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah, Dean Henderson getting 14 um, in one season is league, impressive, yeah. isn't it? But, yeah, Morris is doing well. He's a, a very, very good shot stopper. I'm sure we'll come on to his kicking at some point yeah. during this, this podcast. <laughs> but, yeah, a really good goalkeeper. Seems like a top bloke as well. And, yeah, I'm happy having Morosi in goal. He's um, Yeah, he's, he's a very good goalkeeper. Um, in terms of the team, Morosi started in goal. Um, we had Pennant and Dunkley and Flanagan again. Um, da Costa and Nurse, the wing-backs. Um, Leahy started as the deep-line player again instead of Moore. Um, Bayliss and Shipley sent, and playing in central midfield. 
And then we had Pike and a Doe up front. Um, so, yeah, we're getting used to a Pike being up front, Glenn. Yeah, it's three, three games now, including the Ipswich game as well, isn't it? He started in front in a, in a row. Or actually four, if you include uh, the Cup game, I suppose, where he did move around eventually, didn't he, in that game between a couple of positions. But, yeah, we are getting used to it. Um, I will note, Ollie, he still hasn't scored a goal, um, so I'm not going <laughs> to... Not going to get too excited about the whole endeavour so far, but um, you know, working nor hard. Nor is Dan Yeah, well, nor is anyone, <laughs> really, let's be honest about it. We've hardly set the world like with goals, and again, we'll touch on that at the Ipswich game where we uh, we failed to score again. But yeah, obviously, we've got team news. Um, normally get that about an hour before kickoff, don't you? So normally about 6.45 on a on a Tuesday night. So yeah, you uh, came around my house, didn't you, on Tuesday night, Ollie? You'd uh, kind of ended up in Shrewsbury after a kind of a work meeting and you didn't really want to go all the way back home to come back so you had a bit of tea here and then we we, we sort of thought we'd better go up a bit early after what happened um, in the last game you know with the sort of initial ticket queues we were observing with a small crowd and you know we, we thought we should get up there and we got up there what was it about I think it was by the time five we got past, into the past yeah five past, five past seven when we got onto the grounds onto the, the we came the back way through Sainsbury from where I normally park and then yeah we were yeah phones out as we normally do um, yeah, phones out probably too often, but um, yeah, taking photos and stuff, and there was a lot of queues already, mm. um, which didn't give you much, um, yeah, optimism going forward. You know, forty minutes before kickoff, and there was already queues. I had to go all the way around to the other side of the stadium to collect my season ticket, and mm. um, which looks pretty horrific to be honest. It, it looks great. like it's like been in my wallet for ten years. <laughs> um, it's really smudged. Yeah, you're not the only one with that. And so, yeah, so I say I went straight in, seven minutes past seven, 40 people in the queue ahead of me got in, maybe took, I don't know, it took at least 10 minutes to get those 40 people through, to be honest with you, which is very, very slow. And all that time you're out there, you can see behind you the queue building and building and building. And let's let's be honest, um, Tuesday night, particularly in the West Stand, I know there were some issues in the South Stand and East Stand as well, but particularly the West Stand, that was probably the most ticket entry chaos we've ever had. And so for anyone that wasn't there listening as an exile, probably read about it online, it seemed to be that the, the scanners weren't working properly. Eventually, they put some people, some stewards in the gates, or they're pretty much always there anyway, and they were kind of, when it wasn't working, just sort of nodding people's season tickets through. But because there was one gate not open in the West Stand, there just wasn't the capacity once those queues had started to build. They built and built and built. The ones in the Block 19 queue went all the way around the back of the, um, the away stand, which I'm not sure in uh, safety terms, that's probably what they're going to want to see all the time. Um, and then, yeah, the other queues just built up and there was hundreds of people in the queue. And eventually it led to the point where, I think it was five minutes to kick off, um, a few people we know were in the queue, including my brother, um, and they just had to give up, and they opened up the big gates. A couple of stewards stood there with scanners and, and, and just nodded people through, really, just so enough people could get in and miss kickoff. So I don't think many people miss kickoff, but in general, absolute chaos. Um, we'll talk about how it was improved at Ipswich, Ollie, but, yeah, you know, for a new system, it seemed to, at this point, be getting worse, and, and you know, I had some worries about what it was going to be like on Saturday. Um, it's still not resolved, but, yeah, I... Pfft. Well, you know, there are a lot of issues with it, aren't there? And some of those issues seem to be addressed, but some are still going to be an issue as the season goes on, I think. Yeah, it was it was not good. And yeah, everyone was grumbling in, in the queue. So yeah, you gone and I came back round, got in the queue and everyone was moaning about me and about me. Well, <laughs> don't blame them. The tickets, <laughs> uh, moaning about the tickets, the state of the tickets and then mm. yeah, the queues. And it was just super, super slow. It didn't help that not all the turnstiles were open. Yeah. Um, but it just seemed, you know, a person went in and it took ages and, and when I went to go in, I, I put my card down and it was at least, you know, five seconds, a bit longer and where it wasn't working. Probably so much so that you'd probably think you've done it wrong and then you'd move it, then you'd start again. And, and yeah, you know, that's, I think, part of the problem as well is that, you know, the it's are the scanners up to the system? Is there something wrong there? The cards certainly don't help, um, given so blurry. 
and I think the fans um, are not um, so if they're using them as well. So I think all that kind of all kind of mixed in together um, is a bit of a perfect storm um, in terms of being a, being a bit of chaos getting into the game. No, it wasn't great. It wasn't great. It, you know, the West End seems particularly poorly hit, I think, from reading through the comments, um, whether that's because of connectivity. I think I did mention this the other week, didn't I, about the fact that we always used to have issues with Wi-Fi there, which is why we could never have card payments. But um, maybe maybe a connectivity issue is part of the problem. But if, for whatever reason, we know we're going to be able to ask some more questions at the next Porters Parliament meeting and get some real answers to what's causing the problems. Because um, I can't... It's not just down to people not knowing what to do, which is where we come to the next point. Because we all got in and we all saw this Derby game and we all touch on that. But I think... You know, the initial boost of, of a really gritty draw against Derby was kind of <laughs> thrown to the wind the next morning when Shrewsbury put out an apology for the issue. Fine, that's what they needed to do. Good work. You know, it's not great for people who stuck in queues. It's going to put you know part-time fans off that don't come very often. They're not going to want to be part of that. But we did the classic Shrewsbury Town. Now I've obviously been you know tracking this sort of thing for a long time from when we started writing the fanzine in 2005 through to obviously us doing podcast stuff and and everything in between and. You know, we've had a tendency as a football club to write passive-aggressive press releases when, you know, there's been an issue at the football club that they've got a bit of grief from the fans about. They've sometimes been led to just <laughs> blame the fans. I can't have, in the, the statement, basically sort of the second paragraph read that, you know, we had a lot of fans turn up to come through in a 15-minute period. I think over 5,000 fans. But it was such a stupid thing to say. It was only 5,000 fans trying to get through in that last 15 minutes because they'd all been queuing for so long. That's 20 minutes. Exactly, yeah. So, yeah, it, they, picked, they picked 725, which is an odd time. It's obviously cost. suited to yeah. the agenda um, in terms of time. But there was only so many fans there outside because the ticket system wasn't working. Correct. But yeah, it's it's such a classic. I remember a few years ago we had an issue with the Burton game in the League Cup and fans had some issues. And I remember the me- the media team at the time sent me the, the statement and I said, you can't put this out. I said, mm. that's blaming the fans. And they just completely ignored me and posted it. And I don't be- I don't I believe don't believe this had anything to do with the media team. No. Media no. team had a great week. I would say this is you know, there's a one consistent person in this whole time, and that's Ron, Ronald Winchley. Yeah, I'm. I'd place good money that this was his statement, and he wanted to blame the fans. It's for me, it's an unapologetic apology. Mm. So yeah, you read the thing, it's like, oh great, Shrewsbury apologising for an absolute car crash of an experience, and then you read it, and then you just fury, and yeah, it did. It made a lot of Shrewsbury furious. Not just people like me and you who spend too much time thinking and reading about Shrewsbury Town. Um, the normal fans, and I, I wanted to point out that the guys that were in the queue behind around me were chatting. I don't know how this will come across, but they're not. They didn't like. They like. like they didn't look like the kind of guys that chatted about ticket systems. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. yeah they, they didn't like the kind of chaps that were really kind of talk about this kind of stuff. They wouldn't get. They wouldn't go to support apart and mean in and all that kind of stuff. Just typical lads, young lads, and they was they were talking about it. So yeah, it's. It was. It didn't help, um, and I don't know why Shrewsbury Town do this. Um, it's, the fans didn't ask for this system. Didn't ask for any changes. It might might, might produce cost savings and help the budget. That's fantastic. Yeah. But get it right, and then when it goes wrong, don't put this statement in there. It was just antagonistic and um, completely null and voided any apology that they were doing. Yeah, that's really well said, Ollie. I, you know, to to talk, to use a line of, you know, we're looking at ways to try and get people to enter the stadium earlier and if people could turn up earlier, we wouldn't have these issues. That kind of vibe is pretty annoying to me because one of the things the fans... How many sp- years have Shrewsbury Town fans been going to the Gay Meadow and the Meadow at that time? Because there's 100? never... 100? Ever. 120 years? 
there's no incentive to enter our stadium early other than maybe no. have a drink under the concourse and even less so when you've got but, a but even the concourse, good fan zone yeah so I, I'm yeah I always go underneath if I have a pint often I went out to a nice pint on Saturday with Chris Hudson and Phil and I had it under block 12 13 because it's a bit quieter there but the rest of the, the it's it's like a it's like a cattle market down there um it's it's not um it's not entertaining it's not a, a great place to kind of sit and and kind of enjoy so yeah it's 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 poor it's poor poor it's poor from shrewsbury but um it's what it's what um what the chairman does doesn't it yeah i he could easily have written that statement say from the direct from the table of um roland witchley and uh, i would you know that would have been <laughs> fair. It, it, before i ever had my obsession with kits ollie one of the things i was known about particularly with like um supporters and parliament meetings and, and the things we used to have before like the umbrella groups was constantly trying to ask the club why can we not have some sort of pre-match and some sort of half-time entertainment at the football club? It's the half-time entertainment. We used to talk about this on the podcast a lot. Is so stale still. There's still nothing happens. Still nothing of interest goes on at half-time. Um, and you know, it, I think that it's reflected in in pre-match as well. And I don't know. You know, it's, it, the whole thing is just very stale. So if you want to encourage people to get in there, you've got to actually provide something. And at the moment, Shrewsbury Football Club seems to be being run on a shoestring budget. And if anything is going to cost money to entertain fans to come in, it ain't going to happen. So I'll be intrigued to see at the sports department. And what their solutions are for getting fans into the stadium early because um, I can't think of anything particularly good off the top of my head they're going to really bring in. And a, and a reflection on that was the attendance on Saturday was less than Tuesday. Yes. Yes, Ipswich brought uh, a few hundred less than Derby and that's not criticism of Ipswich fans. There was rail strikes and it was a long distance. It's a short trip across the Midlands for Derby fans. Mm. But yeah, it's at least 800 or so less Shrewsbury Town fans on Saturday. And almost a thousand less at that Ipswich game than there was when we played them at the end of last season as well um, in the league at home. So you know that's a thousand difference as well. Maybe there are a couple of other reasons for that as well. An April game versus There's an August game. Probably a few Ipswich fans in the home end as well. Yeah, anyway. very interesting. Yeah, very interesting. So yeah, there we go. We'll we'll, we'll touch quickly on tickets at Ipswich because it was better. But um, yeah, let's leave that one there, Ollie. And, and yeah, let's talk about this game because Town fought hard in this game, didn't they? They put their bloody heart and soul into it, didn't they? Yeah, we'll, we'll go through this one quite quickly. It's yeah. um, well, obviously no, no. a huge podcast. You <laughs> didn't score any goals. Um, but yeah, from a from a tactics point of view, um, I thought this game was absolutely fascinating. I was, I was glued um, to this game so much, I don't think I was really paying attention to the atmosphere and everything around me. Um, it was such an entertaining tactical battle. And so Derby were playing yeah. um, a, a kind of 4-3-3, really attacking fullbacks. Their goalkeeper was in almost in our half. And really pushing forward, um, they were playing playing a lot of balls around the back. Um, they had a lot of possession, something like seventy percent possession. But unfortunately for them, unfortunately for us, they couldn't break us down. And I'll say there's two reasons for that. One is the Shrewsbury Town players were the absolute socks off. It was a ten out of ten committed effort. Um, really fantastic uh, effort in terms of organisation and hard work. And basically, they just limited the space, didn't they, Glenn? Um, they didn't have the space um, to create chances. Yep. But it meant that Collins, during the whole 90 minutes, hardly got the ball. That was partly due, I think, because Derby was yep. slow um, and, 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 and almost too obsessed with passing. But at the same time, Shrewsbury Town worked incredibly hard. And it was a fascinating tactical battle. There was changes all the time. Um, and the shooting time players were, were really switched on. Yeah, set in the the form and function of a low block for not you know m- the, well for the, at least the start of that game you know they had wave and wave. And I don't wave think the tactics an in interesting point there. There's a bit of debate, wasn't there, whether our tactics changed? I don't think our tactics changed throughout the whole game. Um, it wasn't for me like the Wiccan game where we had a change of tactics at the end. For me, the difference that in the first half, let's say now in the first half, Shrewsbury Town struggled to create anything. 
And for me, I think that was because I don't know whether the players were a bit edgy or what, or, you know, we spent so much time without the ball. When we got it, we weren't very composed and we gave the ball away a lot. I thought in the second half, I thought we were just a bit better at keeping the ball. Um, and and that, that created a, a bit more attacking impetus in Shrewsbury. Yeah, I, th- I totally totally agree with you. I don't think we made too many changes. I think you've got to give Steve Cottrell some credit at half-time as well. I think he probably gave them a dose of confidence because they came out and particularly that opening spell of the second half, they played um, quite quite pass- pa- more pa- sorry less passive than they had been. They kind of got at Derby a little bit. And I, I thought as the game went on, the more we got at Derby, the more they looked a little bit sort of uh, frightened by it. One of those games where they've had all the chances and all the all the pressure first half, they, they absolutely dominated the first half. You, you, you know, without the defence and, and Morosi, we would have lost this game significantly. But, you know, as it went on and they didn't take those chances and the pressure was building from us at times, I felt like they looked a little bit nervous towards the end of the game as well. And clearly we obviously had chances to win at the end. So, um, yeah, definitely a much better second half. But, um, um, there wasn't really any, you know, just we talk about a few moments, but there weren't really too many good chances for town in that first half. We relied really on kind no. of De Costa escaping down the right or a George Nurse long, long throw. Um, everything else was just kind of sitting and, and kind of just trying to see them out, wasn't it? Yeah, we were. We we had a chance when we pressed, so I, I couldn't really tell the trigger. It must have been a verbal trigger um, to press, and then we'd press as a team really well and put them under pressure. Um, Shipley won the ball and did a cross, but it was an, a bit of an awful after an awful pass from a derby keeper, but it was cleared by them. And their probably best chance um, came when Nurse May gave the ball away, and Derby had an overload, um, and then they had a great save from Morosi that um, that was an amazing save, and um, a goal then would have completely changed the, kind of the the feeling of the game. Obviously, they would have been winning, but it would obviously made it a lot more difficult for us to kind of keep to our game plan. Um, with with that with going a goal behind him, it might have been interesting to see how they would have they would have worked. I thought it was probably the one of the interesting parts was Derby were, you know, their goalkeeper was really high. Often he was on the on the on the center circle, um, receiving possession. And part of me wonders whether that was a trap, whether that was a done as a, a kind of almost like a bit of a carrot for Shrewsbury to to push forward and press, leaving gaps behind, which then they would exploit. Uh, I don't know, maybe that was what they were trying to do, but there was a few hairy moments for them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, going to Vidal, I think they did try to explore it. I think they were quite happy for De Costa to get forward because there was a few times where they, they caught him upfield and kind of got him behind us, didn't they? But, um, you know, sometimes De Costa getting out was the only real kind of kind of attacking threat we, he had when he joined in with us. And um, I thought he had a reasonable game, to be fair, De Costa. But yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, I think that's a, a, fa- a fair description, really, I suppose. Um I, I don't know. It was. I think the Morosi basically was the one that kept in that game. That that one-on-one save he made, Ollie, that you just mentioned there. I think that was the highlight of the first half for me in terms of of things that happened. Um, it was interesting. They had we had so little of the ball all in the first half that some of the times the only the, the crowd really got up and cheered were for like big hard tackles in midfield. <laughs> there was not really much to get up and applaud in terms of uh, attacking attacking sense. And um, it's not really a surprise when we only had twenty two percent possession up to about thirty to thirty minutes. So um, we got through to half time, didn't we? No, no, considering the balance of play um that was completely fine and I was thinking having just been to Wickham the, the Saturday previous you know this is kind of how that game went really you know they were there and, and a classic you know Steve Cottrell smash and grab against a big team was still on really what half time wasn't it despite how that had gone yeah the game plan had gone and um, for me I thought it was it was a good half from a shoes time point of view passing not good enough but in terms of defending and 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 yeah, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm sure the manager was very, very pleased. Second half, as you said, Glenn, we came out and we were a bit more positive on the ball, a little bit more accurate. Um, yeah, Pike had that flick on, didn't he? And Ado had that, that ball through, but unfortunately he hit it high and wide. Um, good corner um, routine where Nurse had That's a cool. shot. 
and then it kind of turned into a cross and Benetton headed it over. Um, and then there was that opportunity where, you know, their goalkeeper kept presenting the ball to us and, and Lee, he had a shot from the halfway line. Uh, that would have been a, a great oh. moment if that had gone in. I was I was talking to some fans who sit in the south stand on uh, Saturday against Ipswich, and we were talking about this moment. And they were saying that the keeper, and I think um, James Collins, who must have been down there for some reason, I don't know why, when that had missed and he went to get the ball, he looked at like the fans in the south stand and was like blowing his cheeks out, like bloody hell, that was close. I didn't have that covered. So um, what a goal that would have been <laughs> if he'd have done that um, and scored from from that range. And it was it was really really good. And you know all these sort of series of early chances in the second half, I think, did kind of change the game flow a little bit from the first half. Obviously, we we did a bit more, but the crowd got up didn't they um the atmosphere responded um i just think a little bit more application for town in that in that period and and the continuation of the hard work got the fans to um yeah to basically kind of pick pick up the, the atmosphere and i think that town rode that all through the rest of the second half then because we went back into periods where we were completely under the cosh you know for five minute periods but you know at no point did it feel like we were going to really let derby in and, and the crowd kind of stayed behind them so um yeah there, there was lots of nice moments wasn't there in that in that half and yeah derby derby got a little bit unsettled i, I do think that ollie as, as these moments kind of came and went at the start of that half yeah on the counter-attack we looked we looked threatening wasn't quite accurate enough to, to kind of put it away which is a shame but yeah we had a few chances and so did derby on the atmosphere yeah, that debate whether that block nineteen versus South Stand thing will continue. Um, in terms of we splitting our our kind of hardcore fans in half. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. the atmosphere was really good. South Stand looked fantastic, didn't it? Pre match with all the flags, and that was a brilliant. Really great yeah, effort, so yeah, fair play to those guys. It does look good. Um, but yeah, in terms of chances, then so yeah, Derby had a good cross and it was deflected, and there was a shot inside the box, but a fantastic block again from Pennington. Um, but Derby were just struggling to make clear chances. Um, they made. It seemed like they yep. made all their five subs, I think, during the game, but we got the same result. Probably the biggest change really came from Sibley coming on. Um, he had his best chance, but there was that man, Pennington, he blocked again. Um, and then there was that chance um, in the um, in the latter stage of the game. Pennington involved again, but going forward, he did a nice one-two of a doe. Set up a doe. It kind of a doe kind of messed up the first kind of bit of play. Came to Pike, who kind of fluffed his shot, and then doing another opportunity. Um, and it went it went wide and yeah it um how to put it that would have been an amazing uh, amazing moment if he'd scored and oh, the roof Danado of last yeah. season probably would have scored it and for me he, he doesn't look he doesn't look as sharp um as we saw him last season. No, he's come back from an injury, hasn't he? And he's clearly not one hundred percent. I don't. Want, I want to touch on the moment with Pike beforehand because you know he ended up setting up a dough for a, re, a really nice chance, but it came from an absolutely woeful air shot that he did, and um, just kind of sum, sums up his finishing still, despite all the hard work he's doing. Um, but yeah, the roof would have come off. That would have been absolutely massive, and it was odd to think we could have. We could have won it, really, at the end. But, you know, if we'd won it at the end, you would have still been giving credit to the defence and the goalkeeper, wouldn't you? Because you mentioned a couple of blocks there. Like I think you mentioned it as like a sort of offhand comment. But it's really key to kind of just summarise how hard we put our bodies on the line in certain bits of that second half. There was one period where they must have had, like, six shots, maybe three shots, and then a bit of a break, and then the three shots again. And everybody just dived into everything. Lee dived, and then Dunkley threw himself in front of it. And then I remember Pennington making some really desperate blocks, similar to what he did at um, Wickham. And they all put their bodies on the line. I could could not fault the, the commitment, especially as the game was going on. They could see um, there was a point. And I think the game where I kind of figured that we could be heading for a point here was when, I think it was probably 70 minutes in, um, one of the Derby subs came on, and he ran down into the corner and just dived, like really crap dive right in front of the Derby fans the referee just waved it away and the town fans just all cheered massively and I thought they're desperate 
they're a bit desperate here, Ollie. They're des they're clutching at straws. They've the game plan's gone for them. They they made subs. It unsettled them. That David McGoldrick came on. I think it was up front for them, and he was woeful. Um, despite the category of it, and it just they honestly felt felt they made they made themselves a little bit de desperate towards the end. And I, I know they had a couple of half good good chances towards the end that they missed. Um, I think there was one where Morosi made a save when um De Costa got caught off field, didn't he? And they had that back post overload and it looked like they were going to score, but um yeah they they didn't. They wasted it. So yeah, I thought that that was perfect. The more the more sort of desperate and, and straw clutching they got as the game went on, it saw us through to that. Final Final whistle, didn't it? And shame we couldn't nick it, as you mentioned there, Ollie. But a very, very credible nil-nil draw in the end. Yeah, I thought the Derby manager's comments were a little bit. You know, when you hear a manager and it sounds like he's, he's doing that for the away fans that didn't travel and the fans at home, I'm saying you know they deserve to win and all that. They had with all that 74 percent possession, they had 13 shots, 10 corners, um, but only three were on target and only had an XG mm. of 1.08, which Crap. Yeah, for 74% possession and considering how dominant their manager said they were, um, yeah, it, it didn't add up. Um, it was for, it was a, a, a poor performance, I guess. Well, they didn't score, did they? A lot of possession. Um, Collins didn't get enough chances, didn't create enough clear-cut chances. They had the talent on there, but it just, to me, just seemed a little bit pedestrian, and which was opposite to what we saw on Saturday. So, yeah, a good point for yeah. Shooty Town. After the Tough game at Wickham, um, then playing Derby um, on the Tuesday night. Uh, you know, Derby with you know thirty thousand fans, twenty twenty thousand season ticket holders, um, a big city. Um, yeah, big resources. That was a fantastic result. Yeah, I saw a lot of people saying it was the best nil nil they've ever seen, <laughs> which tells you something about them. Um, <laughs> it was really. I, I was fascinated from the tactical point of view. It was really interesting. Yeah. And I thought it was quite entertaining, and it was just a shame we didn't get that. Um, that goal at the end because that would have just been magical I'd, if I was a Derby fan I would have been frustrated after that um, and I saw they, they didn't score again on the weekend they, they had a nil-nil draw again with Fleetwood so yeah finishing is certainly not their forte at the moment Yep. No, I. It's, I was just looking at my Twitter account from the night there. Some of the some of the some of the messages that were sort of posted up that night were were fair. You know, I think Ian Ian the Shrew Jones put good, solid, very hard working display from Salop. Deserved their well deserved point. So nearly won it at the death. I think you know the the general feedback on Tuesday night was one of pride, wasn't it? Um, you know, I've had my usual rant about something that Shrew Town fans love more than anything is hard working, committed teams who put their body on the line, and and we definitely got that on Tuesday night again. So, um, yeah, I think it was it was great, and and it was good because Derby's fans had been a bit um they've been a bit disparaging towards us haven't they as that latest big club to come down and um you know who who the FNL are you and all that sort of thing well if they want to know where they are they're the team they failed to beat in league one and the last time we played them <laughs> their place we won as well so you know they haven't got the best record against us so I'd like to go to Pride Park and you know maybe keep that unbeaten run against them going because um yeah that'd be, that'd be great but in terms of Derby, I don't think they looked anywhere near as good as um Ipswich yeah they had all the ball and stuff but um light and shade between those two teams this week yeah, I don't really get the both our Derby and Emmett Switch fans um, showed their kind of, yeah, a bit of a moronic behaviour, laughing at our attendance. Like, you're in League One, lads. Like, you know, you're in League One for a reason. I didn't really get the laughing at attendance thing. Like, do, do they get, do Sunderland fans laugh at Ipswich for how small their attendance is? I don't know. It just seems mm. a bit pathetic to me. But anyway, it was a, a good a, a good point for Shrewsbury Town. Um, good performance, um, but we definitely did take a lot out of the tank um, on that night. Um, so yeah, who was your top three, Glenn? I think we've put the same players, just in a diff slightly different order. 
Yeah, I mean, for me, Leahy was the standout player in this game. And, and I have to say, I, I put someone on um, the Twitter account after the game and I said, word on Leahy, leads with his play, leads with his taking responsibility, leads with his sort of clapping and encouraging of teammates and leads by getting the fans going at the wrong at the right moments. Um, Lou Leahy is just a leader. And he definitely did a performance, like we saw from Norburn when he was captain a few times, where there, there were times when he needed that kind of captain on the field, like we've talked about before, to really step it up. And that's not even talking about how well he played in the game, Ollie. He was so disciplined with his performance in terms of his positioning he just had to wait for the right triggers to get out and when he did get out he did it at the right moment in time when he was in the low block he was that leader of the pushing and, and the pressing when he got the ball he was steady on it I think probably he was maybe one of the best passes in the midfield um, overall I thought he was absolutely fantastic and I'll, I'll let you have your word on him in a minute um, and then for me you know I couldn't really pick between Dunkley and Pennington in terms of those two centre-backs um, the commitment the blocks and the headers standing out but for me that's really really harsh on Flanagan um, who also played really well and and um, Morosi, who I definitely think probably was in top top five contention as well for some of the saves he made. So, yeah, again, a lot of credit for the defensive performance. But for me, that was my top three, Oli. Yeah, I went for a very similar players, well, the same players, just a different order. Yeah, so I went for um, for Leahy. Um, Leahy first, I thought he was yeah, absolutely excellent. And um, Pennington, um, yeah, just a just number of times we mentioned him in the, in the summaries of the game. In terms of all the blocks, um, he was excellent. His passing was good again. And yeah, Dunkley had a good performance. A lot of players played well, I thought. You know, I thought um, Bayliss had a really good, um, excellent performance. I thought Shipley put in a fantastic shift as well. Nurse was really good as well. Um, and, and Pike, you know, at times showed some good passing as well. Um, and, and Morosi had some good saves as well. So it was definitely one of those um, performances where you had a lot of players to choose from. Probably not the same can't be said of Saturday. Um, but yeah, a lot of good performances um, on Tuesday night. Um, yeah, I totally agree. Go into defenders, Ollie, because obviously a few of them are featured in our top three there. Um, obviously, Pennington, Pennington, Flanagan, and Dunkley are our three, and we've only seen them for six games now, haven't we? But you know, I, I asked a few fans, you know, in terms of mid, in terms of those defensive three, which we've had pretty consistently since Hurst went, you would say between Askey and Ricketts as well. You obviously had. It sort of the the main combinations were Ethan Ebanks, Landell, Pierre, and, and Roshan Williams. And then we had Pennington, Ebanks, and Landell, and Pierre. And then Pennington, Flanagan, Ebanks, Landell last season. And then obviously the ones I've just mentioned now. You know, I, I, I saw a lot of people saying that they think the three we've got now are probably the best of all those combinations and the best three centre back combination we've had since Hurst left. Would you agree with that, Ollie? Yeah, I'd say they're probably the best players. Uh, have we seen their full potential? No, I wouldn't. Yeah. Um, I'd... Yeah, Flanagan I thought was particularly poor on Saturday, so it's probably yeah. not the best game to, to use it. Maybe yeah. if we were talking after Tuesday night, we'd probably be a little bit more comp- complimentary. Um, but yeah, definitely. I think in terms of players, they're better. You know, I think yeah, Ebank, oh, sorry, yeah, Ebanks, you know, Dunkley's an upgrade there. I think Flanagan's better than the Pierre. But then Pierre, you know, Pierre when in his best, I don't know, maybe gives um, Flanagan a bit of a run for his money with his storming runs down the left. So yeah, a good back three. Um and yeah, it's 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 not the defence that's an issue for us, is it? And the defence is, is no. absolutely solid. No, fair enough. And what did Steve have to say? Um, yeah, so we're, we're, yeah, we're not not too much. Like Steve, Steve is definitely either. It can't be coincidence. He's 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 a delight <laughs> these days in his post match <laughs> interviews. Um, he thought it was he thought it was an entertaining nil-nil draw. Lots of football was played most by Derby. He's honest again as he was on Saturday. He kept our discipline. Um, and then yeah, he was yeah he was just yeah he was saying you know 
but Dan's been a bit stop start preseason with the ankle injury. But hopefully he'll mm. get back to the bottom of that now. So yeah, you know he's you know very complimentary about Pike and Shipley and Bayliss. Um, no nothing, no real standouts. But um, yeah, he was on good form. Well, the, in the extended interview, there was one standout, wasn't there? In that he confirmed that um, yeah, that uh, Aidan O'Brien will be out for six weeks, Ollie. Um, which is pretty bad, isn't it? Six six weeks after yeah. we talked about his minor operation, didn't we? We weren't sure, but they, he did give an update, and so yeah, we're not going to see him until are we probably October, um, which is a shame. So yeah, maybe maybe that will focus the the mind on recruitment before the end of August. But um, yeah, that's a bit of a blow, isn't it? Considering he, he probably is one of the, as we said before, one of those pe- missing pieces. I think that um, that that, uh, that Steve Crotch thinks we we need at the moment. Yeah, he would add a, a he would add a, a big element in our attacking play, wouldn't he? Because he can play in a number of different roles. And that bit of, um, you know, obviously, Bowman hasn't been fit either. So, Ado and, and, and Pike have kind of really, well, Bloxham, you know, I'd love to find out well, the manager's thoughts on Bloxham. Um, but yeah, Pike and Ado seem to be the front two at the moment. And Brian would definitely add something into the mix and, yeah, completely probably change our play a little bit as well. A bit of composure up front, a um, bit of skill, a bit of good passing. And um, it's something I think we need in the final third. So, yeah, it is a big miss, especially when we are you know, going for this, um, you know, um, quant- quality over quantity model, which I don't disagree with. So, yeah, it's a big shame and hopefully he'll, he'll be back soon. And also, a few players are injured at the moment because Bennett's still injured. Obviously, Bowman's only just come back as well. So, you know, you take um, O'Brien, Bennett and uh, Bowman out of the first team squad. That's a, that's a big loss for Shrewsbury. It is. Oh, there we go. We'll leave it there. Just another positive then to finish this game on Ollie. Did the the attendance on that night, the seven eight six seven, was actually the highest attendance um, we'd had for any midweek League One game since we moved to the new ground. Out of one hundred and fifty seven home games since we moved um, to New Meadow, that was the highest Tuesday night attendance. So there you go. We broke another record on Tuesday, which okay. was good. So yeah, happy days. Um, there we go. We'll leave that game there. That was kind of <laughs> let's not say the end of the positive stuff, Ollie, because it was really good and everyone was buzzing after Tuesday night. But um, unfortunately, it was a return to earth on uh, Saturday. It was a nerve-wracking finale for the visiting fans as Luke Rogers volleyed this one home. But in the end, it was the result which preserved Carlisle United's league status. So, 20th of August, yesterday, um, just coincidentally, before I get into this, it was also my brother's birthday on the 20th of August, so um, I should just say, as, as a regular guest and an, an avid listener, um, happy birthday to him. Um, he's had a nice weekend, we went out after the game, which was good, um, had a nice night, which was super fun, played golf in the morning beforehand as well, so a good birthday had by all. But unfortunately, when it comes to my family, and they're all into Shrewsbury Town, obviously, we all go, um, often we don't celebrate our birthdays watching a Shrewsbury Town win, Ollie, and uh, so that pattern did repeat itself, because Shrewsbury lost a three nil at home to Ipswich um goals on 22 and 92 um all the twos um in front of 6556 ollie so not the best result a proper home thrashing really let's be honest about it um just a few stats before we get into the team um and see what what the game went like um yeah five games in we should just say we're still two points better off the last season um it was more than that wasn't it but um we won game number five last season um whereas we only drew this time so yeah two points better off the last season we'll keep tracking that and see where we are after 10 when we start to do our comparison ollie um but interestingly some parallels are beginning to become apparent and you know we're only five games in so small sample size but in the league last season, after five games, we'd only scored two goals, Ollie, um, and we've only scored two this season. And we've actually had less shots on target this season in the first five league games than we did last year. Um, last year we had 12, this season we had nine, but that is a pretty bad comparison because last season was significantly lower than every other league, <laughs> league one season we had. So to have only had nine shots on target in five league games, Ollie, that is 
a, a, a kind of nice mark. Well, it's a bit of a marker, isn't it, about you know Cottrell football and, and where we've been in his old time here, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's 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 frustrating. It's, it has to be a little bit of an asterisk in terms of who we've played. And that's only yeah, fair. true. Yep. But at the same time, yeah, you know, we haven't scored this week. You know, 180 minutes and we didn't score. So yeah, goal score is still an issue. It's an issue that needs to be addressed um, via the transfer market, I think. Um, mm. And yeah, it's 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 yeah. We'll, we'll talk about um, the transfer window and squad depth and stuff. I think as we go through this game. Um, but um, yeah, lack of entertainment is definitely something that came up. I think that was a bit. You know, it's got to be put in the context of who we're playing this week. We're playing against teams with probably got budgets five times bigger than Shrewsbury's, maybe more. more. Mm. Um, yeah, probably more, maybe eight times, ten times, maybe even what you know what we can. Who knows how much money they've been pumped in? So yeah, it, it is tough, I, um, but uh, yeah. but the lack of goals is a concern. I think we can take that away from it. And that and that just brings me to these next two stats, which I've thrown in here because it just maybe gives some context to why people booed on Saturday. I just want to, and maybe we revisit this, but there's two comparisons to you. We lost our minds in the latter Ricketts ball era, didn't we? About how little. We scored goals. And if you remember, when we reached that sort of statistic, we've always used as a benchmark, we only scored one goal or no goals in 78% of all of the games under under Sam Ricketts, which we always considered to be awful. You know, we always used to say one in every five games, um, sorry, yeah, one in every five games, you might see a score more than one goal. And, you know, the rest of the time you wouldn't. 40% of the games you wouldn't see a score a goal. I hadn't seen this, but due to the lack of goals in the last season and the lack of goals at the start of this season now, for, 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 for Cottrell... The figure for one or zero goals across all of the league games he's had for us now is 88%, Ollie. Almost 90% of games you watch Shrewsbury Town play, you will only see one goal or zero goals. And I can't believe that that is 10% higher than what it was for peak Ricketts ball. That is a bit crazy, isn't it? That you know, We talk about entertainment, you just mentioned there, but that that's mad. 88% one or zero goals. I, I was staggered when I worked that out earlier on. Yeah, it's you know, and I think it would be fair to say that we put in in that context and how we're talking about it this season, the last year, we give Ricketts maybe too hard a time. I don't think we did. <laughs> I think we should, I think I think Bring back deserves a lot of criticism for his style of football. Mm, yep. It's it, last season he completely messed up the transfer market and the squad building. This season we think he's done better, um, but yeah, he hasn't fixed the main issue of, of scoring goals and. You know, just you have to be rocket science to figure out you don't score goals, you're going to struggle. Mm. So it's obviously too early to, you know, use your favourite saying. Yeah. Um, yeah, throw them in the bathwater out, whatever it is. <laughs> your throw the baby out of the bathwater. <laughs> exactly. It's a bit too early for that. <laughs> but it's definitely um, fair to say it's a concern. And that's the whole time he's been with us. That's not just this season, that 88%. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's it's not better, great, is it? Um, and the other one I was just going to throw in there is that you know, we, maybe one of the reasons why there's a little bit of a niggle at home is that's now six league games in a row, if you include the games in last season we haven't won, um, which is a, a fairly j- j- jarring run, isn't it, to not win a home game in six um, in terms of league form. So there we go, just a few stats, and we'll revisit that when we look at what, what the reaction was like at the final whistle. But um, go on, let's go to team selection, Ollie. Again, we got this before we arrived at the stadium and, and looked at cues. <laughs> Yeah, it was um, yeah same team again, um, exactly the same lineup. Um, so yeah, no surprise there. Um, so yeah, it was. Uh, but interestingly, and, and key for Ipswich is they made five changes to their starting lineup, um, including players that were, were standout performers in this game, um, and that just shows um, levels, doesn't it, um, in terms of the golf between us and and sides like Ipswich in this division. Because yeah, if you make five changes. Including Chaplin and John Jules and a few others who I don't know, but yeah, there was five changes. 
Did not they made five changes, did it, man? I'm I'm assuming that the five changes they made <laughs> vastly strengthened than Raleigh if they made five changes, to be honest with you, because they were pretty bloody good, unfortunately for us. But um, yeah, obviously, clearly a, a squad full of talent and names you recognise. Um, and yeah, it didn't didn't seem to derail them making five changes at all, did it? So there we go. Um, but for us, can we make changes? <laughs> Not really at the moment. Um, and we'll touch on 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 squad squad depth a little bit as we go through this, which was probably one of the problems we had. Um, but then just quickly on tickets, let's not lament this because we've obviously had our say on the problems we had, but a little bit better against against Ipswich. The queues were significantly I less. Was, I think it was more than a little bit better. Um, I you did reckon? put a tweet yeah. out this afternoon asking people what they thought, and yeah, most people said that everyone said they got in the South Stand with no issues at all, really. Um, and the West Stand was was much better as well. Um, I had an interesting experience myself. <laughs> Me and Phil were queuing to get in. And the steward came out through the gate and started shouting at the fans quite aggressively to God. get into um, into two into two queues. And in front of me it was at least seven or eight deep of two of fans in two queues. And he said that we were slowing ourselves down. Um, and mm. yeah, it was just not the best. Uh, rather unnecessary. I understand maybe you felt a bit under pressure, but um, shouting and, and abusing the fans unnecessarily isn't really going to help anyone. But need to mention Chris Hudson's app, um, the um, <laughs> you know, the STO um, card app. Yeah, um, that enables you to scan um, a, a barcode and then it remembers your barcode and puts it on your screen. And I think you know Chris has had done a, a great job, kind of um, kind of promoting this app. Um, and I tried it on Saturday, and it certainly um, sped up my my access to the stadium on Saturday. Yeah, I think I think two things on that, Ollie. I think a lot of people were saying it's the first time the system actually scanned their cards correctly. So clearly, it's resolved that issue. I think in that it's actually scanning everything correctly and. Apparently it didn't crash and it worked the whole the whole way. They obviously had additional gates open on the west stand. It was back to being full capacity, so I think that reduced the queues. But there were still queues. Do you know what I mean? It was only six thousand there on Saturday. It wasn't a wasn't in a massive massive attendance like that Derby one was. So I, I suspect that helped make it look a little bit better. And I'm led to believe they did have to open the big gates to let a, a bulk of fans in who obviously are the ones that arrive in that last ten minute period. So again, that's an issue with with people arriving and the system being slower. So there are still things to sort out. I wouldn't say it's completely fixed, but I agree. A lot more people saying ticket scan first first time this time and in and stuff like that and just on the sort of thing from the steward yeah I maybe there's a little bit of blowback there because I, I talked to some people at the club about the, the issues that happened on um, Tuesday with the Derby game and I know that stewards and some of the sort of supporters that tried to help out received quite horrible abuse from some fans who'd been queuing and I, don't get me wrong I thought it was fucking ridiculous that we had to queue that long and was as frustrated as everybody else but um, I'm not sure you know smashing our own you know stewards and, and supporters liaison officers and members of the club who are out there trying to help is really going to help the situation anything you know we're all on the same page and obviously all want this to be right really so uh, I don't know maybe the steward was feeling a bit of pressure from what had gone on Ollie so maybe a little bit of a, a bit a bit of a, a credit back there but um, yeah we shouldn't really be uh, Try and keep our head during this sort of niggly period, really, and, and not try and blame the stewards because it ain't, ain't their fault they didn't pay for this new system, did they? No, no, as long as they're not yeah. shouting at you for something you haven't done wrong. But uh, no, I'm I sure totally you did something wrong. Statement. <laughs> <laughs> I um, Yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying. Like, there was yeah, no need for it's not that. not great to hear. You know, and, you know, most of the students, they seem a little bit um, frustrated, uh, a little bit worried as well, because it can't be nice standing there with all these fans, thousands of fans um, getting irate trying to get into and. Yeah, you know, shouting abuse at people isn't going to help anyone. So, yeah, fingers crossed issues go away and fingers crossed people won't be subjected to that kind of abuse again. Because, yeah, it's, it's it was a funny a funny weekend for abuse. I got quite a bit of abuse online um, for suggesting Ipswich have got quite a good football team. That, yeah, we'll come on to <laughs> Ipswich fans as we go through the podcast. Oh, well, there we go. Anyway... I haven't got much to say about this game, Ollie. We got absolutely battered from minute one to minute two and didn't try 
to do anything exciting in the game as far as I'm concerned other than a few half-assed attacks. It was probably one of the worst performances at home. I, I'm going to say performance is harsh because we're playing an incredibly good team. I would agree with everyone who says they've got a good team, but I do also think that we were just... There was just nothing to get excited about in this game, was there? It was 90 minutes of... Particularly after they got the first goal, it was 90 minutes of... Um, I don't know, just praying something could happen, and it never did. It was a funny game, wasn't it? It was It was always a question going to this game how much the Derby game and the Wickham game had taken out of us. You know, playing Wickham, who've used their championship money to bolster their squad, so they're, they're, a, you know, they're, a, potential, they're a potential promotion candidate. Derby, with their size club and squad, should be a threat. And Ipswich, clearly, with their new manager of the last season, were going to be a threat. And with the money they've got to spend, you know, got a championship budget. So, come to this game, is always going to be a test. And obviously, change, not changing the starting lineup um, did raise a few questions. You know, why is Moore not all of a sudden been in the start 11? That's an interesting question, I think. And yeah, we, we just, I don't know about you, Glenn, but I, the game started and I'm not going to be, um, you know, go back and, and change my opinion at a time. At the start, I didn't really notice that we were off it that much. Um, but, yeah, I think after 15 minutes or so, I started to get a little bit worried for two reasons. One is we did seem a little bit off the pace, um, but but mainly Ipswich were doing the things that Derby were... They weren't doing the things that Derby were doing wrong. So the derby were a bit too slow in their passing, a little bit too ponderous, a little bit too obsessed with passing. Ipswich were front foot, get the ball forward, get the ball into dangerous areas, get the ball to their, their dangerous midfielders and their, and their forwards, yep. and give them the freedom to try stuff. I saw some Ipswich fans complaining about their team gave the ball away. I don't think their manager gives a damn if they give the ball away in the final third trying to pass a through ball. And that's what they were doing, weren't they? They were getting to dangerous areas and they were creating opportunities um, and they were, yeah, really, really direct, um, good forward passing football. And, you know, we've been in this division a very long time um, and we've seen teams play this type of football. You know, you think of that, that, that season with Wigan and Blackburn Rovers, they were saying, I thought Wigan last season were like that. Sunderland last season were like that as well. Um, yeah, it's, um, you know, if you want to do well in, in League One, I'm not saying you can't do amazing playing, amazing passing football and, you know, being, you know, tick-attacker football. That probably can work. But for me, the you've got a much better chance, you know, looking at how the Rotherham um, play, looking at how Wigan played last season and Sunderland, get the ball forward into dangerous areas. You get your talented players to hurt the opposition, which Ipswich did, and then you're going to win more games than not. Yeah, we aren't going to do that though. <laughs> we don't have enough talented no, players. Attacking <laughs> talent that they have, unfortunately. Yeah, so, um, no. Unfortunately, we will have to stick with our tactic, which is the anemic opposite of what you just described, Ollie. But um, yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, that it felt very much like that Wigan game at the end of last season, didn't it? Where we were all just waiting for the inevitable to happen, and and uh, and particularly after they got the first goal on twenty twenty two minutes, it was. A case of how many was it going to be, really? Um, I, ne- I never really had the faith I had, like the way we played against Derby. And I think a lot of that comes from, I totally take on board everything you just said. You did a very good description of what Ipswich did good and why they'll probably have a very good season. But we also have to touch on what we didn't do compared to what we did on Tuesday. And, and there wasn't quite the graft, if I'm honest with you. Um, they, they still worked hard and they were still committed, but they didn't quite quite graft in the same way they did on Tuesday. I didn't, didn't feel quite like the commitment was there from a few players. Um, we also had we also carried a player which Shipley wasn't great against Derby, Derby, but we 
we carried him against Ipswich, and I can't believe he played the whole game. I can't believe Steve Cross gave him man of the match on the radio. Um, I thought he was. I absolutely... think that's really harsh. I thought he had a good game. What? I thought he had a. I thought, it's interesting. I thought he had a good game. He didn't. You know, no, no one from a Shrewsbury Town point of view did they're well. All, in court, yeah, they're all five out of ten. We, we, we all struggled in possession, but I thought he put a good shift in. I thought he did a lot of hard yards. Um, I, I don't oh, think he real? was as bad as. A lot of other players. Yeah, I, I thought, I thought, yeah, I don't think he, out of everyone, I would not, I wouldn't be, he wouldn't be the player I'd be criticising. There's a lot more players I'd have higher at the list for criticism before Shipley. Yeah, interesting. We have our first conflict point of the season, Ollie, really, I think. Here. <laughs> I, I am vastly underwhelmed by him. I've been saying that last few pocket. I, I wasn't the only one around where I was sitting. It was quite a lot of frustration towards Shipley specifically. Maybe, you know, we sit in the same place, so it can't be that we sit in different parts of the stadium. But, I, you know, there's a few people around me like wishing he would, you know, chase a ball down and put some more commitment in. And he looked, I thought he looked tired and injured, Ollie. I, I genuinely thought he was so far off it, it, it compared to. I thought he was worse than Lee, and Lee had a terrible game. So, yeah, interesting. And we both watched that very differently. And um, I thought, well, let's just yeah. go for it. I, yeah, it's, it's always a bit harsh when you criticise players. And it's, it's, really. it's obviously, we're talking about one specific game now. We're not saying that they need to be sacked or anything. Oh, no. But no, yeah, no. I thought Flanagan had a bit of a mare. I didn't yeah. think Dunkley was up to was up to scratch as well. Yeah, Lee, he clearly wasn't the same player as well. I, I thought maybe even, yeah, there was, I thought De Costa had a really poor game. Um, yeah, I, there's quite a few players I'd have above. Um, and the Doe I thought was off the pace as well. Um, there's quite a few players I'd have ahead of um, in terms of poor performances than Shipley. But yeah, that's, I've that's noticed. the beauty of football, isn't it? Everyone having different opinions. <laughs> I've just noticed you put him in your top three, so maybe, maybe I'm yeah, not so exactly. mad. Um, yeah, I, to be fair, on Leahy, I, I saw him taking quite a lot of criticism um, from fans but after the game and, and obviously online as well, where we kind of take a few views. Um, but I think it's because like he genuinely had one of his best games for the football club on Tuesday night, and he definitely had his worst game for Shrewsbury Football Club on on Saturday. Leahy, yeah, it was that was the worst he's played for us, and not just because he made an error for one of the goals, he was completely out of the game. The, the game bypassed him in midfield. He did just was not part of the game at all. So and I think um, yeah, interesting. I think I think it's um, we talked to you. Know, we just talked to how good it switch were. Um, you know, in the first half they dominate the ball, um, and they and they were they were they were really good. I I did a tweet. I think it was in the second half, um, which yeah got quite a lot of attention from Ipswich fans. Where I thought that I kind of almost crowned them as champions for me. They're by far the best team we've seen this season. Obviously, we've played a few games, uh, but obviously, me and you have been in this division um, for a long time, and we know what it takes to win League One. I don't think I've ever seen a team this good this early on in the season. Um, and they've got everything that it takes um, to to go on and win the division. Um, for me, you know, I think I said that they were. I can't remember if we said if we actually did who's going to win the league, but they were in my top three for promotion at the start of the season, um, and that's yeah, completely cemented now for me. That I think they, I think they will win the league. Um, they're they're ahead of. I, I believe they're ahead of all the top of the league table, but in terms of performances and kind of ruthlessness, um, and also the squad. Um, and the way that they play and their movement was just absolutely superb. They were, you know, their movement was fantastic. Their decision making was good. A lot of talented players. Um, yeah, I, I can't see, I can't see any reason why they're they're not going to win the league. Yeah, I think a lot of fans said the same thing. They were way better than Derby. They were strong and physical as well. That was another thing that you need as well at this division, isn't it? And you don't just need talent. You need the, the commitment and the hard work and, and a bit of physicality for when you go away at Accrington or away at Fleetwood or somewhere like that where you've you've got to graft and battle. Um, unfortunately, we didn't provide that challenge. We didn't give them a need to graft or battle on this one today, um, which was unfortunate. So, um, yeah. But do you think that was just because we were just knackered? Yes, I think I we're knackered because we've we got literally just... no squad depth, Ollie. No. We had to play the same 11. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, there was no real, there's more, I guess, is probably the only real change we could have made to the team. Um, it's, and it, when we have this many games, when we've got another Tuesday night and another Saturday game coming up. Yep. Um, it is, it is worrying. We've got to hope we didn't get an injury like last season. You know, when we talked about getting injuries and we, we, we you know, if Bennett had got injured last season, we'd have been screwed. If, if Nurse gets injured, we're probably in a bit of trouble. So um, there's a few few players out there we could do with not getting knocks and niggles. And um, yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, we haven't had any yet, thank God. Um, other than O'Brien and, uh, and Bennett, and they, that both happened pre-season. So um, haven't had any players sort of break down in game so far this season, have we? That have now missed missed periods. So God, maybe that's to come. Um, but yeah, in general, in the first half, let's just kind of run through it. That the first moment, I suppose, there was a controversial moment where we were all thinking in the West End. Why is Flanagan just given a Stonewall penalty away, and why is the referee <laughs> not given it? Um, because from where we were sitting, and obviously there's a big variation of opinion from Town fans from where you were sitting, you will have everyone in the um, South Stand telling you we got a toe on it and cleared it away, and that's fine. Everyone in the West Stand, obviously behind the challenge, thought it looked absolutely awful. Um, I've seen photos showing that yeah, if he won the ball, he's had to have gone through the player, and I've seen um, I've seen you know other other fans saying no way was that a penalty. So. I don't know. On the day, we I think you were the same as me. It looked like a penalty, didn't it? Yeah, it was one of those moments where you turn around and you look at your, your mate next to you. It was, for me, I don't understand how it wasn't a penalty. It, it looked like he was, from our angle in block 17 from the West End, we were completely behind him. He was completely ahead of him and he looked like he tangled his legs and then the referee didn't give a penalty. Um, it was. I was absolutely flabbergasted. Um, it wasn't a penalty. Um, yeah, <laughs> we got away with one there. I think. <laughs> yeah, I was delighted, Ollie, that he didn't give it. So I'm not going to talk about it too much. But yeah, fascinating. Um, there's still debate now with various photos, as I said, that have been on 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 social media. But it wasn't given. So let's not lament that one anymore. We got away with it, or we or it was an amazing tackle. And let's say it was an amazing tackle because um, Flanagan is good. Um, but it wasn't too long after that, was it? They eventually found a breakthrough and it didn't come to a penalty. But yeah, it came from uh, Leahy, didn't it? Um, we tried to break and he got caught in, you know, they had no options to hit. He had Pike and Nadeau running in different directions, marked by, you know, a couple of players. He just delayed a little bit on the ball, got robbed by that John Jules um, for Ipswich. Um, my mum my mom was saying, to, no, it wasn't my mum, sorry, my auntie was listening to the match yesterday, um, and she was saying, all I ever heard was the name John Jules. John Jules. John, I was saying, well, he did have the ball a lot, so <laughs> probably that's why. Um, but yeah, he picked the ball up, ran forward. Um, Chipley didn't make a tackle, and then he got into the box, and he basically sort of dropped his shoulder to turn to cut in and sent every single one of our defenders to the buffet. Well, it was the faintest shoulder. <laughs> it, was, it was very deaf. It was very so, good. For me, for me... Again, Ipswich fans were, uh, are, are a unique bunch. Um, one of them started like having a go at me for saying like we, we gifted them an opportunity. <laughs> we, we if we give the ball away in your own half, your central midfielder doesn't do a tackle, and your central half just dives down to the ground. I think that's a gift. Um, but yeah, it was it was really really good finish from John Rules. Nice little deft um, shoulder drop. Great finish, um, and yeah, they're off on their way there. Really poor from Shrewsbury Town point of view. Be interesting to see what um, the manager's son and what kind of criticism he gets. He gets the ball from Pennington. He can't have had a shout that there's a man on him, so that's I think something that's quite poor. But in that situation, when you you'd hope that he'd be aware that he you know he was going to be under pressure, yeah. so playing that deep line play raking role, you need to be really aware of your surroundings. So yeah, really unfortunate moment, and yeah, that early on in the game. Um, how and how they'd started so brightly as well, and we looked a bit leggy by now. Twenty-two minutes, yeah, it felt like um, 
it felt to be honest, it felt like game over to me. Yeah, it felt like game over at that moment. You'd been so dominant, and to be honest with you, the rest we're twenty minutes is nothing to talk about. The rest of this half, there was no good moments from shoes really. I think there was maybe one corner where the keeper missed it and Flagon looked like he might get on it back post, but sort of air kicked it and they cleared it away. That was probably our best chance half and we didn't even have a shot from it. So, so that tells you how poor we were in that in that first half. We didn't have a shot on target in that half. Um, I think we only had two shots. No. They absolutely dominated us. We had like I don't know, twenty odd percent possession again. I can't remember what the number was. Um, nothing else to say about it. We looked tired off the pace. Um, and yeah. a number, and it was just it was a number. It was the fact that a number of pairs looked a bit tired and jaded. I could, you know, I picked out Shipley particularly there, but he wasn't the only one that looked a little bit slower. I I would put a doe in that category as well. You know, coming back from an injury. You mentioned it in the last game. I think he's not back at one hundred percent. Particularly when you look at how hard Pike was running. I don't think a doe was at the level that Pike's been this week in terms of the the running and the effort across the two ninety minute games. Um, neither of them scored, obviously. And they even really had any chances to score other than that end of Ipswich game, but yeah, but off the pace, poor, and it was just a case of yeah, well, it was a good one nil half time, Ollie. Yeah, it was. We were, yeah, I think we're fortunate to be to be only one nil down at half time, yeah. and then it becomes it becomes almost like inevitability, doesn't it? It's like a you know we were off the pace, we were tired, they were full of running, they were they got a lot of quality players. I thought Harness was fantastic. The, the front three movement is just was sublime. Um, they really push men forward. Um, their their wing backs stay really wide. Um, they're particularly um, their right. Was it their right? Or was it their left? No, it's their right. Yeah, their right centre back, um, number forty four, pushed forward loads. Really pushes really high, basically leaving two at the back and overlapping centre backs on just kind of mopping stuff. Yeah, and it, but they they're just really well organised, really well coached. Um, you know, it kind of shows the benefit, doesn't it, of changing a manager at the end of a season, giving them a bit of time to. And you know, get under his, his feet under the table, and yeah, we, we, that's the, this is not an Ipswich podcast, so let's move on. But yeah, they, 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 Ipswich fans can enjoy this season, I think, and mm. then, yeah, they need to cherish it because it's you know, it's not they they could get a hundred points this season, um, and and they'll score a lot of goals. Um, so yeah, they need to enjoy it. They did, and let's run run through the second half. It wasn't long until they got the second goal, was it? Um, yeah, just came from what you were just talking about there. Good movement, good passing. Um, Chaplin found space. It kind of got cut back to him, didn't it? Um, and it was a good finish, wasn't it? Um, and yeah, that that was you know if we, you sort of said you thought it was one 0 that game over. I suppose one at half time. I'd never really quite go that far. I don't think, but two 0 um, fifty two minutes. It definitely was game over. This, no, this... In, just in terms of how I felt. Yes, but yeah, the kind of the feeling of the players. Um... And the feeling, the atmosphere, um, it just felt a little bit inevitable that that was the game over. Yeah, Merosi got a hand on it, didn't he, but couldn't keep it out. Um, But yeah, there was no way this team was scoring two against Ipswich on Saturday, so we definitely weren't getting on with it. And I don't know, know, we'll get to the last goal in 92 minutes. What happened between their second and third goal? Because I I, I, I hardly tweeted on Saturday. There was so little to talk about in terms of actual match action um, as a a Supertown fan. Yeah, it was it was frustrating and just yeah, I'm gonna have to um, unfortunately, um, yeah, praise Ipswich again. They were really good at the dark stuff as well, weren't they? Um, so in the first half, uh, Morsi and someone else got booked um, for stopping Shooter Town counter attacks. There was a moment in the second half when they were two nil up, and um, and Harness stood on the the ball to stop a free kick being taken, and then there was um, a one of our rare counter attacks and Evans um, lumped one of our players down, and how he didn't get booked, I do not know. The referee was poor. On Saturday, you know the obvious penalty that um, that they should have had. Um, I'd love to see a video from the other side if if Fannigan did get a touch in it. But I was chatting to Tom Griff. He, I think he's right here. If he did get a touch in it, that was after clattering through his legs. Um, so it was definitely a penalty. There was also a really interesting moment in the first half. Actually, we didn't talk about oh, yeah. where 
Um, when Derby and Ipswich both see us as threats from corners and it got very handsy when we were taking a corner and then one of our men went down and the Ipswich fans actually started chanting you don't know what you're doing after you know one of our players went down in the box so you have to take their word for that that the referee made another mistake mm. it was a, an odd, odd refereeing performance um, but then yeah Ipswich made more subs which just kept the kind of the onslaught coming and we made a, a rare three-man substitution I don't think that's ever happened under Steve Cottrell there was it was funny because like yeah I think people could see that Pike and Ado were going to have to come off they both run their run their race aren't they by whatever it was sixty odd minutes um so Bowman and Bloxham obvious subs to make at that point in time but then suddenly it was like Caton was warming up and then when Caton got announced that he was coming on and he came on for De Costa there was like a bit of an audible gasp that Steve Cottrell was bringing on one of our young players in a league game what's happening <laughs> has the world gone crazy and to be fair poor Caton Jesus Christ it was a it was a game that was it was beyond his current abilities he, I think it was one more when we tried to clear a corner and he sorry a cross and he hoofed it back out for a corner and then he made a, a bit of an error in one of the sort of a character hey, attacks we that, had that went for throwing did it oh even worse throwing, oh, not a corner. but yeah I feel sorry for that it was a bit hard that um, throwing it was, into that yeah it was yeah it's hard to bring him on that game and um, yeah it's it's yeah I imagine his general room was growing Go, is that, uh, I imagine his adrenaline was pumping and yeah it's it's it was a tough game to come into and yeah, a lot of players struggled in that game. I think I, when I saw, looked at the stats, De Costa had like a seventy percent passing ratio. All right, which was basically the same as um, Morosi. Okay, in both games actually, Morosi had thirty um, percent something Jesus. Um, passing completion. Do you want to talk about Morosi's kicking? It's normally quite bad. In this game, it actually, we actually started passing out the back and giving it to Dunkley to kick. That's how bad it got. <laughs> God almighty. Yeah, it, and he was getting so much clog off the Ipswich fans. It was really bad second half, wasn't it? He could, I think he kicked three out within about a six or seven minute spell. And I think town fans, was, it was 2-0 and town fans didn't even it was really... When it's Ipswich fans, when the opposition fans are taking the pitch. Yeah. And he's kicking, you know you're in a bit of a bad spot. We were definitely time wasting at two 0 down, Ollie as well. Like they, we knew there was really no way back into the game, and we were two 0 down at home. And Morosi was taking so long over his goal kicks. Maybe he was trying to really not kick one straight out of play. Um, but I don't know. It was just that, that kind of summed up what Saturday was all about for me. There was not really much we could. Um, there was not really much we could do about it. And then yeah, the game just sort of drifted on and on and on. And you know, I'll be honest. Let's let's talk about Shrewsbury fans now, and we'll get to the booing at the very end in a minute because obviously there's another goal to cover yet. But Town fans voted with their feet a little bit on Saturday. And uh, why did that happen? You know, we were playing Ipswich. You've extolled the virtues of why you think they'll be champions. They've just been in this division a few years, but they're always going to be one of the stronger teams. Why what do you think? There was basically nobody left at the end. And and obviously it was we were losing three 0 there was no way back into the game. But do you think like when you can see a team have almost given up hope that they could really get anything out of the game, it's not unusual for fans to feel the same thing and think, I might as well get off. I think yeah, I think just people. Well, it was easy for us to go down the back of Sainsbury's. Meant there was no queue. So, but um, yeah, it's. I think they just felt that the game was over. It was a nice sunny day. Why not get home? Mm. Get home, save ten fifteen minutes, and pop home. Um, yeah, I'd, I would normally say don't never leave. You never know what you might miss. But it was never going to happen. Well, they missed a goal. weren't going to. Uh, well, they missed. Yeah, they missed a goal. They switched <laughs> goal, but I'm, I'm just don't think that will keep them up at night. I don't think they'll be bothered. Um, but yeah, it's. Yeah, I'm not so bothered about that. I thought the boo at half time was was worse. Um, but um, yeah, let's talk about that. Let's, uh, yeah, Ipswich scored another goal. Look at it online if you want to see it. Um, but I yeah, felt, it was you know, sorry. Just 
Sorry, I was going to say on that goal, Ollie, it was during the most unnecessary six minutes of, of extra time ever, wasn't it? It was like, <laughs> mate, come on, we're 2-0 down, we've done nothing in this game, we do not need six minutes. And then when they scored it, I thought, oh, well, at least at least something happened in it to make it worth six minutes. But um, yeah, you watch that goal, let's not even bloody talk about it, it was a bit embarrassing, yeah. um, poor old Leahy. Um, but yeah, go He's on. very back league to one. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't want to feel like we're like preaching or lecturing, a bit like we did when we, talk, when we talked about um, pitch invasions. Yeah, but for me, there's a time and place for a boo. Apparently, um, Steve Cotter reacted, and I don't blame him. To be honest, for me, you boo your side when you're, you know, on a losing streak and you haven't scored or you haven't won in ten games, or you think that the players really haven't worked, or the manager has just, you know, made an absolute farce of of a, of a, a team selection and decisions in a game. Like you know, when things are going really, really bad, but when you've just been beaten after a heroic performance on Tuesday night. And a win at Wickham. So the fame, you know, with the same fans that were there on Tuesday night and um, were there on Saturday, I just thought it was a bit harsh and I just didn't really think it was the right time. And, and you know, you know, we talk about, and, you know, it's a bit hypocritical here. We, you know, we talk about Tuesday time players every week and we talk about performances. But, and, you, you know, question you could say, you know, we're, damn, you know, we're questioning their kind of their mental health or whatever. I don't think we go that far on the podcast, but... When your home home fan base boo you after a really tough week, you know if you're like Bayless or you know someone who or Nurse who had a good who didn't have a bad game, and your home fan base are booing you, it's I don't know, it's just not it's not good, is it? It's it's, it's not where we want to be. I'm normally a boo guy, aren't I, Ollie? We often talk about it. Um, I didn't boo him off on Saturday. I mean, what what would be the point of that, really, in that circumstance? I, I do agree with you. Um, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not under not not understanding why some fans booed them off on Saturday. And I'd mentioned there was some booing, didn't I, the game previously? But I think when we when we rounded that conversation, up, we we thought it was more to do with the referee and what happened to Accrington, didn't we? They didn't get booed off for that Accrington performance. They got kind of the boos were maybe more aimed at the referee than I thought. But this, these these were boos aimed at that performance and the manager and the players. You know, we can't pretend they were for anything else they were definitely not on the referee and you know there was only maybe a thousand five hundred people left at the end and I think uh, quite a lot of those people stayed to, to express their frustration at that performance and why is that happening in my view I think there is an undercurrent with quite a lot of fans who are probably were probably fed up with Cottrell at the end of last season um you know with with the yeah, way well, we definitely was and it hasn't gone away it hasn't gone away no, and it hasn't. It, if that was Accrington that had done that against us and we'd lost three at home and been that yeah. abject you would have found 4,000 people booing them off and you probably would have got a chance against yeah. the manager. We're not quite at that point, obviously, because we're doing better than we did yeah. last season. But I think that, I think that you know, my, my summary of why there were boos at the final whistle were to do with the fact that we are now, you know, what is it, almost two years into the Steve Cottrell reign and in terms of our attacking output across the five games so far this season, we're as worse as we ever have been in League One. And we were very, very poor on Saturday and didn't do, put the effort in that we did against Derby and I understand why and you know fans fans have expressed a wide range of opinions of why they're frustrated with Ricketts sorry from with Cottrell from squad selection lack of substitutions small squad some of his tactics why we set up so negatively etc 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 we've touched on them for the last few weeks haven't we and the goals are worse as you pointed out exactly. earlier in the podcast yeah. the goals are actually worse than Ricketts Goals are worse than Ricketts and, and we're just as bad in terms of goal scoring as we were last season, which was an historically bad start to the season um, at this level. So there are there are legitimate reasons to be a bit mopey about Shrewsbury Town if that's the way you want to go at it. We, we obviously try to normally keep our heads until match 10, Ollie, so we're halfway there in terms of league form. But um, I, I don't I don't not understand why some people wanted to express their opinion like that. Um, I, I would agree on that occasion that I, just for a simple performance... 
against a really good Ipswich team, I felt that might be maybe a bit, a bit harsh. But yeah, just looking at a wider picture, like we said, we talk about at the start of the pod, that's where I think it comes from. I think there is a, an undercurrent still with a few fans that can't quite deal with how poor we are in terms of an entertaining team and and when a, when a 3-0 slepping comes at home um it is hard to kind of hold your, your temper in i suppose yeah and, and yeah it's quite a nice segue like football fans are a funny bunch oh ipswich we are yeah fans are definitely ipswich fans are the the funniest of the funny bunches like there's loads of lovely i have really nice interactions with lots of lovely ipswich fans this weekend um but there is some real as yeah, <laughs> you never get. Yeah, I can tweet in a whole Shuffle Wednesday game, Sunderland games, and no interaction with the often tradition fans at all. Um, you don't praise their team for something, or you say something about your own team, and you get switch fans. Um, yeah, picking on your picking holes in in your tweets, which is a bit odd. And I, I said that switch can potentially be champions, and one switch fan called me the c word in response, which is I thought was a little bit strange. But um, yeah, football fans are weird. I think um, yeah, and for people who go to football dinner trying to. Yeah, maybe let a bit a bit of steam, and maybe that's where the that's the booing pa- came from. It's a passionate game, Ollie. You know, I'm exactly the same. You know, I've <laughs> I've uh, been as a hyper and as negative as you can be following Shrewsbury Town, and I think that's the way it is. It's a it's a roller coaster journey, etc. All the things we normally talk about. So I don't, I don't I, you know, I'm I'm not against people booing and, and expressing their opinion if that's how they feel to do. It. I'm never going to tell anyone how to be a Shrewsbury Town fan or how to act or how to behave about anything because that is not what I like to well, do. Well, we so, will talk about not going on the pitch well, when you be in it, which lost Lincoln or yeah. something in the league. The, the caveat on that is unless it's illegal maybe we should have said that because it is technically illegal to go on the pitch isn't it I suppose um, but yeah and, and oh, I suppose I, should, I should. I did say earlier on that we probably shouldn't boo our own stewards and I think maybe that's a fair thing to say but you know in terms of you know booing and how you treat fans and, and, and you know how fans are on a match day I can I completely understand it is a passionate game and you you it's so important to people. It's important to us, you know. I, I, we know people. I know busy reasonably well. I know, you know, probably a lot of Shrewsbury Town fans that people will know and have seen over the years at the football. And I, you know, you see how much it cares to people, how much it cares to people, and how much it matters, how much is the be all and end all of their life. It's a, it's a massively important part of my life as well. And um, you know, I, so I can understand why that frustration comes out because it's something you want to be better, you want to enjoy it more, and you want to be entertained, and you want to love it, and. There is an element at the moment it's hard to love about watching a team that basically don't really attack very much. So, yeah, maybe that's where it comes and, from. And that's why that 10-game test is going to be key. Yep. I tell you, we'll, 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 we'll do it now. Bristol Rovers away is a massive test. Huge. Um, it's a game that we, should, you know, you'd go into it thinking you know, we could get something from it. There's no reason to, you know, to fear um, Bristol Rovers. Mm. Obviously, they were in League 2 last year. Um, so it's a game that you know, we'd think, go there and try and do something. Interestingly, I thought against Morecambe, we played on the front foot, tried to dominate the game. Against Stanley, I don't think we put a defensive, you know, it wasn't the same as Ipswich and Derby. So it's going to be fascinating. But the thing I really worry about is the, is the size of the squad, Glenn, because we've got yep. to play Burnley on Tuesday night. You know, Pennington and, you know, some of these others are going to have to play on Tuesday night. Um, and I'm a little bit worried um, for, for Saturday. I'm a little bit worried for Saturday, but sorry. Yeah. It's, it's a fair comment. Fair comment, Ollie. It's um, yeah. Who knows? We might buy someone tomorrow, and that'll solve one problem at least. <laughs> but um, I can't quite see. I mean, Cottrell said we've got room for one more, didn't he? But um, I hope it's more than one. More than one. It really, it really does need more squad depth. It's stupid how we had six on the bench. As we should mention, we only had six on the bench against Derby, Ollie. Yeah. Again, you know, not not a great sign for a club that are trying to do something this season. So there we go. Anyway, let's wrap up with top threes on this one. I'm not. I don't even. I didn't really hear Cottrell. I'm not sure. I really want to listen to too much he had to say about this game, but. <laughs> 
So yes, Steve Cottrell again, Glenn. He seems to be a lot more positive these days and a lot more friendly. <laughs> he's quite, it's quite funny. And he's, I thought it was a really good um, post-match interview. He said they were better than us. That's the bottom line. Uh, they've got the better players on the squad, and he talked about the five changes. Um, you know, he said that we weren't capable, physically capable, to match in them, and, and what do what we did on Tuesday night. Um, and then yeah, he, he's a, I'd, I'd say go and listen to it. It's a really good interview okay, uh, with Steve Cottrell, and he's he's really honest. Um, and yeah, what else can you say? You know, we've played against a team that you know, good good chance to win the league. Um, and he's yeah, he's, he doesn't want to lamb, you know doesn't lambast our players. So it was it was a good post match interview. Okay, and we did skip over top threes, Ollie. Um, just for mine, yeah, ba- ba- Bayless for yeah, me. Yeah, I went for Bayless. I thought no one was above a five out of ten, um, and some of them were, were way less than that. But yeah, Bayless for me was probably a five. Um, I thought DeCosta was probably a five until he went off. Um, he ran himself into the ground, and I went a doe third. It could have been anyone to be honest with you. I mean, he worked quite hard, but um, he ran. Him. I don't understand how you can have DeCosta when. His passing 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 success was thirty six percent. He defended all right. So though. a third of his passes, I don't think so. Oh well, there I we go. I, it's so. hard this one. Yeah. Like, I, you could have picked it is hard. anyone really. It is really all hard that to pick a top three. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to pick a top three um, in, in, after a game like this. Well, you picked Shipley, and I obviously didn't agree with that either. So yeah, we've got ob- yeah, objections. So I went for Nurse. <laughs> we, 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 do you accept Nurse and Bayless? I, I I didn't think Nurse was very good either, but I can. But, but, but again, a five out of ten. Fans. Yeah. Nurse got praise from Mitrich's fans for his, for his decent performance. I thought he was up there. Um, and even on, you know, even sometimes, you know, I've, I have admitted sometimes I cheat a little bit when I'm not sure who the top threes are. And, and who scored had Shipley at 6.9 um, and, and Nurse at 6.8. And I didn't use it, actually. I, I'd, I'd, I'd done it myself before I had a look at this. But I thought yeah, I thought Nurse and Shipley did all right. Fair enough, fair enough. I think Nurse is a bit of a problem as this season's going on. He's, if we're trying to play like these counter-attacks, he's, he's not very good at counter-attacking, Ollie. He's a good fullback. He's a great fullback. He's not a wingback. He's not a wingback. So if we're consistent, no. consistently going to play counter-attacking football, you've you've said it for weeks now, we're massively right-sided. We're so right-sided, it's scary. If we added a Costa on the other wing, it would probably make us a little bit better, Ollie. And that's harsh on Nurse, but that's where I'm at with it at the moment. Yeah. yeah. It's... Um... Yeah, it's, 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 we need some signings, that's for sure. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, um, let's look ahead to next week. It's um, well, it's going to be it's interesting week. Yeah, we can just go straight on to that now because we're getting towards the end. But yeah. one, one thing just to mention very quickly, Ollie, was another decent um, thing that happened between the two games this week, which was a positive for the football club um, and even a positive for Umbro. They finally announced our away kit, Ollie. Um, it's only, <laughs> only August the 20th or whatever it is, the 21st. But we finally got there in the end. Um, and, yeah, I'm sure all Shoot Town fans have seen it, black and away kit. I've seen a few people call it the spider kit because it's got like a sort of I don't know spidery kind of black and red imprint on the arm my initial reactions were I quite like it I like the fact that they've got a white sponsor a white logo and a white Shoesby Town badge on a plain back black background there's a bit of design um, obvious is a bit of design sense to that Ollie um I think it's quite nice I think I prefer it um um, do I prefer it to the home kit? I'm not too sure. I like them both. And it's been a long time since I like both our home and away kit. So there's a good positive for for an end of this podcast, Ollie. I think the this new red kit is amazing. I think it's yeah, fantastic. Like it. it looks really good. I'm definitely going to buy it. Um, yeah, oh. I'm going to be buying that um, t- tomorrow. Um, yeah, I went man. into the club shop. I, say, I just have to say, where praise is praise due, I went into the club shop just to try and... Uh, on a shirt, and the service was excellent. So, yeah, fair play to to the to staff shop. It was really good service, um, really good atmosphere on Saturday. So, praise where praise is due. Um, and then, yes, that was good. And then, yeah, looking ahead, oh man, squad depth. Oh, so O'Brien's uh, injured. Bennett, we have no idea when he's coming back. Bowman has only just come back. 
Ado doesn't look fit. And more. What's happened to more? I surprised um he he did even come on on saturday he did I not don't think he did did he no which no. was really odd yeah and how you there wasn't a question so yeah if he doesn't start a play on tuesday night um yeah question for the media what's happening to more uh maybe he's got a bit of a knock or something i don't know but yeah the squad is a thin glen um and we yeah earlier in the week we did do a tweet out about what we need i think the same thing is true now so i think we need a left wing back an attacking midfielder, proper number 10, and a striker for me. Yep, I would probably agree with all that, Ollie. I mean... And obviously O'Brien, Bennett, and... Get him all and, back um, as soon as possible. Fit, yeah. Which, I mean, if you if you were to guesstimate for, like, the Burnley game in the Cup, how many changes do you think we'll make? You know, they'll make nine, we'll make yeah, but they'll, one. They'll br- oh, and they'll bring on... <laughs> and they'll bring on, like... I don't know if... Again, I mentioned a few weeks ago, like, Twine wasn't even starting for them. He may be starting now, um, but... Uh, 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 it's going to be a really, really tough game, and we could get an absolute pounding if they want us. If they wanted to, yeah, I, I suspect we'll probably lose the cup game, but we've got to go and perform at Bristol Rovers. So I'd, I'd ex- it's one of those things where I would, as annoying as it they is, drew a, they've drew a lot of games actually. I watched the first game of the season, um, and they look really, really good. Mm. Um, and yeah, they've lost to Watford. They drew with Hull. They drew with Blackpool, and they drew with Luton. Yep. Um, so they'll wanna they'll wanna get a win and get a few goals going. So I imagine it'll be a fairly decent side. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think they'll go strong and I think it'll be tough for us. And it's an upsetting because get to the third round, you can play one of the sort of elite clubs and maybe get a nice little money spinner on TV or something. But doesn't seem maybe that's the way forward. But who knows? I'm sure we'll have a. I'm sure they'll have a still have a goal or whatever the team is. But yeah, I suspect we'll make one change, maybe lose, and then yeah, my expectation is that this is where you know this season's been sort of a bit anemic so far in terms of goals and stuff we need to do something at Bristol Rovers don't we and um, yeah we need to uh, turn it around and, and kind of at least get a point away from home that would be half decent I suppose and then and see where we're at a bit of a performance and a bit of a threat something I think, to uh, get excited about you know don't expect us to necessarily you know go and win against um, Bristol Rovers they they're they are 15th in the league table we are 18th you know we've got six points we've got five they haven't had a you know, a much better start of the season than us. Um, you know, there's no reason why we can't go in there and get a result. Um, for me, a point would be good. A performance would be even better. A couple of players fit. And yeah, probably the highlight this week after the Derby game was probably the um, the, the video that the media team put out um, with the with, um, David Mitchell um, talking about football. I thought that was really funny. So yeah, hopefully the media lads have some work to do this week and um, announce some new players. Yeah, I was. That, I did see that actually yesterday. I was out most of the day, but I was like, it was almost like people were only just discovering that sketch existed. Whereas I don't know, am I just so old I that so, I remember I age, it initially coming I think out? Age is coming into. I think age <laughs> is coming into that, Glenn. It's a yeah. I think it's a brilliant video, and it's obviously been one around for a while. But yeah, we do the younger generation. It was new for them, but I, it was a really good edit they put together. Yeah, it was so good. Fair play for Dylan for that top work. We did. We did something in the fanzine about that when it, when, it, when it was on the Mitchell and Webb look back in the day um, when we were doing the fanzine. So yeah, there we go. I'm just I'm just old. It was before now. the internet, though, wasn't it, Glenn? <laughs> No, we were doing the fancy during the internet years. I'm not. I'm not that old. I'm, I'm over forty now, but not 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 too much over forty. Um. So no, there we go. I thought it was interesting. Yeah, that, it's been been good. The media team are doing. Uh, it's tough. I'm not too sure whether the third guy has fully started his new job yet. I'm not too sure. Yeah, not um, sure but yeah, they not. they'll be back up to full strength soon, and they're just trying to. I know from talking to them through some of the stats I was doing from there, trying to keep the programs ticking over and make sure they're getting enough content out there. But it's um it's tough when it's only two, and it's a job that's really for three people. So I'm sure it'll it'll ramp back up um when when the new guy starts. So yeah. 
there we go. Let's just leave it there, Ollie. Uh, interesting week. Um, I would like us to come with, back with a point at least. At Bristol Rovers. That would be where I'm looking for it. And as I said, we've not. I'm not going. Uh, I refuse to pay twenty-seven pounds sitting in that shit tented stand behind the goal. Um, I, I'm not trying to stop people going. I would love as many Shootown fans to go as possible. In fact, I'd encourage people but to do. But not many people have brought tickets. It's only they? sold a hundred up until Friday. Catch twenty-two. Yeah. Because you can't, unless you. I don't know why they're doing this. I don't know. Football clubs are dis, um, dis, you know, dis, not encouraging fans to stupid. go to games. But... So stupid. I'd, I'd go if it was the terrace. I'd, I'd quite like stand on that terrace. I'd pay pay the money to go on there, but I'm not going to sit in that awful stand right low behind the goal. It's probably one of the worst views in football. Um, And I'll be honest with you, some of that is tempered by the fact that we haven't been that good recently. And, and also everything costs so much money you know I, I drive to football games and it's not the cheapest experience so I'm going to save my powder on that one go to Forest Green um, go to Sheffield Wednesday I'm having a night out yeah there, I think so. I might have got permission to go to Forest Green oh well done so. yeah should be a good one <laughs> good stuff so yeah so but I'll be watching the game anyway I've got a, a way of watching the game on next Saturday and so have you Ollie so we'll be back next week um, and I'll be at the Burnley game I've got my tickets for that as well so yeah plenty to cover next week Ollie and yeah, we'll creep, creep, keep creeping towards that 10-game mark. Well, hopefully, it does help the, the structure of the podcast. So thanks, everyone, bearing with us. It does help the structure of the podcast. We've got some goals to talk about. <laughs> so, yeah, thanks, everyone, for listening to the end. I appreciate your support. I hope you have a, a super week. Um, and, yeah, we'll be back again next Sunday.